Welcome to E4H Speaks, our in-house podcast featuring E4H team members who keep our firm elevated through talent, commitment, and passion for healthcare design. I'm your guest host, Anne-Marie Garcia, and today I'm chatting with Rika Gunawan, an interior designer in our New York office. Rika, welcome to E4H Speaks, and thank you for spending some time with me today. Well, uh, Anne-Marie, thank you so much for having me in these lovely days. All right, let's jump right in. Rika, you've had a colorful and interesting career so far. Can you tell us a bit about your journey? <laughs> yes, I was born in Makassar on the island of Sulawesi in Indonesia. I came to United States in 1994. For college. Okay. And where did you go to college? I started in Seattle, Washington State um, about a year, then transferred to Savannah, Georgia, to Savannah College of Art and Design. Oh, wow. So you bounced around a little bit and were able to see quite a bit of the country. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. It's kind of a culture shock for me, actually. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Um, you said in our pre-interview um, that you were really influenced by your mom and dad. Um, how did they guide your path in art and design? Actually, they don't want me to go to the uh, art school, <laughs> design school. Really? Uh, yes, they don't. They want me to go to business school. But like every other child, I just don't listen to them. <laughs> <laughs> but they just basically have no idea how talented they are and and how much they influence me when it comes to design. And it's some kind of like a hidden talent that they have that they just never embrace it. I know for sure design is in my DNA. It's like the second nature to me. My mom has always had an eye for color and composition. And my dad is a Renaissance men, I like to say that. He has built birdhouses, he paints landscapes, enjoys photography, and even has done some engineering work. So he's oh, wow. quite amazing, yes. Well, yes. lucky for us, your uh, design talent is not hidden. <laughs> um, so how did you ultimately choose a career in healthcare design? Actually, it was one of those passions that I always have with healthcare, um, I want to do something more than just a design residential or commercial or retail hospitality. The thing about that I like about being in a healthcare design is variety. I get to experience so many different aspects of healthcare design. I get to work on everything from the emergency department, the cancer center, the ambulatory center, and the women's center to non-medical spaces like gift shops or hospital cafes. So it's almost like everything at once, you know, like we get to taste a little bit of um, commercial aspect of it, retail aspect of it. Yeah, you get to exercise yes. a lot of different design muscles within yes. one project. Yeah, Correct. very cool. So what, what's your favorite part of the design process? What I like about um, design process is uh, interpreting client requests and needs and figuring it out how to translate them into design. 
So you get inspiration from the the design problem that's presented. Yes. And it's kind of playing clue, like clue mm-hmm. games, trying mm-hmm. to decide, like on trying to figure it out what's best for the program. I love that metaphor, playing clue. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> What, uh, what advice can you give young designers who might just be starting out in healthcare design? Or um, did you get any good pieces of information when you were a young healthcare designer? Yes, yes. Uh, my advice to the young designers are, you know, don't be afraid to follow advice, take criticism, and be open to getting ideas from the work or more senior designers. You know, you can learn a lot just by watching a veteran designer work. Absolutely. What uh, what projects are you currently working on? Is there anything of note that you'd like to let us know about? Yes. My work um, on a lot of uh, main clients that we have in New York here from New York Presbyterian, NYU, um, MSK, One Brooklyn Health. Is here in New York City, mostly. A lot going on. I'm sure many yes. different project types as well. Um, where do you think the future of healthcare design is headed? I think we're going to see hu- more huge influences from the pandemic that we're experiencing right now, um, such as social distancing, motion sensors, and perhaps more voice-activated equipment. Mm -hmm. So you think that the things that are being implemented now are going to be long-lasting? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Changing the way that that facilities are designed for for good. Yes, absolutely. It's not going to be a temporary thing. It's going Mm -hmm. to be long-term, definitely. Mm -hmm. Through our previous conversations, you've also spoken about how you're imparting these values and teachings to your daughter who sounds like is growing up to be quite the community activist. Um, Can you tell us more about her and what she's doing? Yes, yes, she is. Um, So I'm Asian and my husband is white American. Mm -hmm. Uh, We both grew up with different backgrounds, cultures, religions, and even more opposing political points of view. I won't start about it right now. <laughs> um, that's a different podcast. Yes, that's a different podcast. But, um, <laughs> but despite our differences, we both agree that we will raise our daughter, Nadia, with love and a strong value system. We also try to make sure that she is aware of her community and the world around her. The good things as well as the not so good. It is a cliche, but we really do believe it takes a village to raise a child. So we've raised her to see that the community is part of her home and that we all have responsibility outside the walls of our apartment. For example, the first time she was exposed to people suffering through hardship was a visit we made to a center for the blind in an orphanage in Indonesia. Uh, She was about three, four years at the time. Now she's 12. She might not remember the details, but she remember what she saw and it left 
a lasting impressions of the importance of helping others. We want to make sure that her life is not only her mom and dad, but it's also about giving back the same amount of love that she received to other people who need it, whether they're your neighbors, friends, or people in need. Um, when I was growing up, my parents made sure that I was aware of what's happening in our community and world uh, and also show us what we could do to help. So I am essentially trying to pass that on to her. Last year, we took her to the BLM protest that happens on June 2nd. We've taught her about injustice like the Tuskegee syphilis study, the Tulsa race massacre in 1921, and even the internment of Japanese American during the World War II. All the auxiliary part of history that don't get covered in school textbooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we taught her to respect everyone regardless of where they come from or what they look like. And just as important to love and respect herself, for sure. That's amazing. It sounds like <laughs> she's really, she's getting a lot of intergenerational lessons passed down to you, and now you get to pass them down to her. That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, it sounds like she uh, she's taken some of those lessons and made an impact. She Can you tell me a little bit about the buttons that she created? Oh, yes. So what she did on June 2nd, she made little buttons that was all BLM topics, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, she sold it for a dollar during the protests. She also sold like, to the small business and then just on the street to random people. And she raised about $1,000. Um, and she donated all this money to our local community. It's called Black Men United, which is a small community that helps a lot of uh, Black and other minority to help them just to get started with them with their lives, help them with uh, some education programs and all of that. So wow. it's actually pretty impressive. Yeah, she raised about $1,000, which is quite amazing. That's extremely impressive. <laughs> yes. Rika, we've got one last question for you. Are there any specific project types that you'd like to work on or a, a chance to explore in the future? Yeah. Um, you know, I actually would like to get more involved in the um, community hospital because for me... Um, I feel that I owe so much to the community and therefore I should provide the same amount of generosity in return. And it doesn't matter what which community it is because as I mentioned previously, I believe that community has helped to raise me and raise my daughter and raise my family. So that would be my answer. (laughs) Well, I can't wait for your chance to design that. Well, unfortunately, it looks like we're coming to the end of our time together. Thank you so much for sharing your stories with us and letting the E4H Speaks listeners get to know you a bit better today. Well, thank you so much, Anne-Marie, for having me again. This has been fun. (laughs) (laughs) I even get to know myself too, like what kind of designer I am. That's wonderful. Yes. I love that. Thank you to our listeners as well for tuning in to today's episode of E4H Speaks. If you'd like to hear more great conversations like this one, 
Join us next time as we continue to interview the talented and passionate E4H team members that are making a difference in healthcare design. You can search for E4H Speaks anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also head on over to e4hharchitecture.com to find our latest blog posts, webinars, and white papers, or follow E4H on social media. That's all for this episode. I'm Anne-Marie Garcia, and we'll see you next time.